Welcome to Creepypasta Theater, a show where we explore the strange world of creepypasta. Join us as we hear tales best left untold, travel roads best left unexplored, and see sights best left unseen. The forest can be a very beautiful place. The vibrant green of the trees, the smell of the flowers, the sound of birds singing through the woods. But yet the woods can also be a very dangerous and spooky place. Today's episode will be taking a look at three short creepypastas about the beautiful but sometimes creepy world of Mother Nature. These stories can be found on creepypasta.wikia.com and are protected by Creative Commons License. Silent Forest Author Unknown Forests are never silent. That's the first thing you learn whenever you go out camping, hiking, or anything else where you might have to pass through or live in a forest. Forests aren't silent for a good reason. They teem with life, such as birds, insects, and small animals. That's just the life that makes noises. Trees, grass, and bacteria are also bountiful. This, of course, is no secret. One forest, somewhere just northeast of Manchester, England, is totally silent. People drive past it millions of times per year, but from their car, they can't notice the lack of sound. Every now and then, someone will look at the forest as they sit in traffic. They are convinced that they saw something, but nobody has actually ever seen it. When the Romans settled and established Manchester, the forest was there. Sentries and soldiers would sometimes skip their duties to go to the forest and simply never be seen again. Sometimes, raped women would flee from the town into the forest, screaming in terror, only for the soldiers to come to a halt at its edges and hear her scream stopped abruptly as if she suddenly lost her voice. Rumors of the forest in Manchester were so rife that at one point, Rome sent priests and elite soldiers into the forest to exercise it. Blood-stained armor, robes, and a single perfect human eye were found outside Manchester the next morning. Somehow, having been placed, despite the sentries and the night guard, and placed soundlessly at that. Rumor also has it that it likes to move sometimes. The road nearby gives it ample options for doing so, which is probably why no one has heard of it. It was probably considered a myth. A scout party sent in while it was away and 
came out with nothing, and it was forgotten. But it always returns to its home sooner or later in Manchester. Ultimately, one thing you must always remember, intrepid traveler, strong-legged hiker, or capable camper, if you ever find yourself in a forest and it becomes totally silent, do not, under any circumstances, move. Dead Woods Author Unknown Summer was coming to a close, so my friends and I wanted to hang out as much as we could before being busy with schoolwork. Myself, along with five others, decided to go to my friend Tyler's house to spend the night and play Slender, a game about the infamous Slenderman. After a couple hours of scary fun and jokes, we decided to further scare ourselves by going into the woods. Tyler lived near our school, and behind it was a path that the cross-country team practiced on. It had no lights on the path, and no house was nearby. We traveled there by the railroad tracks since that was the quickest way, then we cut through an opening into the woods. As you can imagine, there are many rumors shrouding the woods, as there are with most. Violent homeless people living there, the spirits of those who died near the woods or tracks, haunting it restlessly, feeling an urge to kill as a means of releasing anger. Just about anything from fiction to nonfiction. Despite this, we thought it'd be fun for the sake of being scared and figured with six people total, we'd be more than able to defend ourselves. We only had two flashlights, so it was pretty hard to see, but we managed down the track slowly. We heard noises in the tree line on either side. Sounds of sticks being snapped or objects, probably rocks, being tossed or thrown. We stopped and huddled together, shined our flashlights into the tree lines, but could see nothing, could hear nothing except for one or two people discussing what they think made the sounds. We kept on and finally found the opening. Reluctantly, we went into the woods, huddled together so we could keep a close eye on each other and stayed close to the flashlights. We had seen markings on the trees in what looked to be red paint. While most of us knew that some trees were marked for cross-country practice, these markings showed no resemblance to the ones along the path. The wording was improper, usually illegible. Some were even drawings of what looked to be people. We didn't question it for too long. It was obvious the only thing on everyone's mind was if whatever they heard before would eventually find them and what it would be. We saw lights in the distance from the school but decided to turn away from them 
lost in thought and discussion. Our fear had lightened and we were having fun, now just talking and joking. Unfortunately, that liveliness died pretty quick when we heard something run alongside us through the trees. We were all in a dead silence, looking around, listening for the sounds again, but heard nothing. We joked some more to lighten the mood and eventually came back around to the school. We had made it through the woods. Well, almost. Two of our friends told us to wait back while they went ahead, no doubt to try to scare us. We didn't listen and left the woods shortly after they left, but didn't see them in the large field. We all knew they were trying to scare us, but just for shits and giggles, I decided to go back to where we left the woods and saw someone moving behind a hill. I just saw their head, but when I tried to get closer, they ran back into the woods. Finally, my phone vibrated, and I saw that one of them was calling me, so I answered, and in a panic, my friend told me to go into the woods again and then hung up. I went back to the school to tell everyone else what was going on, and they followed me back, and we all went in. I called for them but got no response. I tripped over something and fell kind of hard, looking back at what I tripped on. I saw the body of my friend, his face shaved nearly off, his hair completely gone. Blood poured from his head along with multiple wounds scattering his body. I backed away and yelled but didn't get up. I was scared, wasn't thinking straight. Tyler came over and stopped dead in his tracks when he saw the body. He came around to get me up and took me away. We heard another yell, a blood-curdling one, like someone was in pain. We ran towards the sound to find the two others who had entered the woods with us. One was dead, the other alive, a man gutting him. Another, a woman wearing a long, tattered dress, soaked with blood, taking out his eyes. His screams were too much. I didn't try to help. Didn't even grab Tyler. I just ran, fast, back towards the school. Hanging in my path was the other who had gone ahead of us. A rope was tied around his neck. His legs were missing and where his eyes should have been were bundles of leaves. I had to keep going. I had to run. So I did. I ran towards the school, hoping I wouldn't be chased. But all I heard were voices all around me. Voices yelling, voices laughing, some just talking. I tried to ignore them, but only because I recognized them They were the voices of my friends. I ran by the school and noticed a light coming through one of the windows, a blue light from the smart board. I stopped and looked in the room and saw a man sitting at one of the desks, rocking back and forth, 
fiddling with something in his hands, something I couldn't see. I kept running until I was out of energy, which wasn't too much further. I didn't hear anything behind me. I stopped hearing voices. I sat down, closed my eyes, trying to think about what happened. It was a dream. I'd just wake up and be in my house. But when I opened my eyes, what I saw wasn't my ceiling. I saw a person looming over me, his face nearly gone, the same way my friend's face was. But it wasn't him. He had shackles around his wrists and ankles, short chains connected to them. He had something with him, a stick or pipe, something blunt. He whispered, I hate having to do this, but she loves it. I must do it for her. She loves it. She loves me when I kill. She promised that if I loved others for her, she'd love me in return. I tried to crawl back, but before I could, he bashed my leg with the object he had and broke my leg. I tried not to yell, but when he broke the other one, I couldn't help it. He wrapped his hands around my wrists and dragged me back into the woods, back into the horror. I'm here to deliver a warning. Written by Braden Powell. I'm here to deliver a warning. A few years ago, my friends and I were out walking in the woods. Jim, Mark, and I had all met at school in accounting and were brought together by our mutual dislike of our teacher. There was a really great bit of woods a couple miles out from my house. One day, Jim had the idea to go exploring there. Mark and I agreed, of course, as we loved spooky things. So there we were, in the woods, lost. The sun had gone down half an hour ago, and I had lost the map. We were all sure that if we just picked a direction and kept walking we'd find a way out. It was a pretty small area, after all. After a while, we came upon something strange. A log cabin stood alone in a small clearing. So small, in fact, that one of the walls was up against trees. The roof was gone, and the walls were burned halfway to the ground. Mark suggested that we go inside, but I wasn't sure. I reminded him that it was already pretty dark and that we could always come back here tomorrow. He reasoned that we would be hard-pressed to find it, and with that, he moved to the door. At first, the door wouldn't move, but after a few good kicks, it came off its hinges. Mark led the way in. The walls were scratched as if something had tried to get out and the little furniture that was in there had been overturned. A small bed was on the far wall with no mattress and no sheets. 
I found a lantern and some matches hung up on the wall, so I lit it. I was glad to have some light. That is, I was glad until I saw the cabin. The walls were covered in blood. Lots of it. The walls were splashed with it in different shapes, as if someone had been ripped to shreds. There was a long streak of it heading towards the door, but stopped about a foot short of it. We all just stared at it for a moment, and then we ran. I dropped the lantern in the cabin, sending it up in flames. As it burned, we ran as hard as we could. It felt like an eternity, but finally we burst out of the woods and onto the road. We ran all the way back to my home. From there, Jim and Mark were able to call their parents to come pick them up. That was the end of it. Or so I thought. The next day, Mark called me and told me to meet him in the warehouse because he had something to show us. I agreed to come quickly and hung up the phone. The warehouse was an old meatpacking plant a couple of miles from the center of town. It had been abandoned after a couple of the employees had been murdered there. One of them had been the owner's son, so he couldn't bear to work there anymore. He closed up shop and tried to sell the plant. No one would buy it, though. They were too scared by the murders. I rode my bike down there and met Jim outside the door. We went in together to find Mark inside, sitting at a table. He had a book in front of him, the cover half burnt and blackened. He told us he'd found it in the cabin yesterday and pocketed it. We were curious to see what was inside. Mark told us he read it over a bit, and it was a grimoire. When we asked what a grimoire was, he said it was a manual on how to do magic and rituals, summon entities from beyond and whatnot. That sounded pretty cool. So we asked what we had to do. Big mistake. Mark wrote some stuff on the floor in an arcane language and stood up. He lit some candles and told us to stand around the writing in a circle. We turned off the lights and did just that. Then, he took a knife and cut himself, grabbing the blade with his left hand and pulling it across with his right. We watched as he then placed his hand on the ground and smeared the blood across the writing. Standing up, he handed us the knife. Jim took it and did the same thing before handing it to me. I hesitated, but eventually I took the knife and copied. Mark opened the grimoire and started chanting in a strange language. The candles went out and I couldn't see a thing. I blacked out a moment later. When I came to, I was in an office. I got up and looked around, figuring out that I was in the supervisor's office in the plant. I looked out through the window and what I saw horrified me. Jim had his chest ripped out and his entrails splashed across the floor. 
blood was everywhere. Mark was hanging from the ceiling by his intestines. I couldn't take it, and I threw up. I ran home and went straight upstairs to the bathroom. I showered, washing the blood off of me before stepping out to look at myself in the mirror. I had a few deep gashes across my arms, and my face was cut up pretty badly. I called the police to go and have a look at the warehouse, telling them what had happened. A while later, they came to my house and arrested me. I'm on death row now. I'm writing this as a warning to everyone not to practice evil rituals. Some things are not meant to be messed with. It turned out that Mark had hit a camera in the warehouse with the intention of capturing what happened. I was shown the video during the trial. I had just bent down to smear blood on the ground. Mark had opened the book and started chanting. The candles went out. What I saw next will haunt me for the rest of my short life. I walked over to the table and picked up the knife. Jim turned and asked me where I was going. I responded by plunging the knife into his chest and repeatedly stabbing him until his organs spilled out. I then turned my attention to Mark. He wrestled the knife from me and attacked, slicing up my face. I acted as though I couldn't feel a thing and knocked him out. I cut out his intestines and climbed a ladder up to the ceiling where I hung him, still alive, from one of the metal beams. The rest of the video was him screaming as he slowly died. I can honestly say that death cannot come fast enough for me. Please, please do not make the same mistake I did. To this day, the book has never been found. You have been listening to a presentation of Point of Insanity Game Studio. Visit us on the web at poigamestudio.com. Follow us on Twitter at poigamestudio. Look us up on Facebook and email us at poigamestudio at gmail.com.